All right, thank you, Pastor Caleb. It's incredible to be here. I can tell you that my life and my family, uh, so many of the good things that we experience in our lives, and I can't tell you how many times uh, throughout the day or throughout the weeks with my family that we have a moment or I look around my house and I see something and I realize that that particular something was inspired as a result of what has been sown into my life and into my family through this church by the Duplissy family. Uh, so I can't, I don't even know how to say this with as much sincerity as I want to, but I love this church so much. And this church has developed in me a passion for the body of Christ and and a deep value for when each and every single one of us find our place within the body of Christ. When we realize the unique role that we have to ensure that the gospel of Jesus Christ advances within our neighborhoods, our businesses, our towns, that is developed within our children and our grandchildren. And I believe that you really only come to find that out when you find a church that allows that to be invested deep within you when you find pastors that go into their prayer closet and they intercede for you to ensure that the right things are sown within your life and the life of your children. So I want to look right now to everybody watching at your home, your dog walking around, everything that's happening right now. Your kids are spilling stuff. Maybe they're still sleeping. And just look at you and remind you again that one of the sweetest things that we can find in life is a beautiful church to call home. And I know that Pastor Caleb already prayed, but I'd like to pray one more time, uh, specifically, maybe it's more for myself, <laughs> as I get ready to share with you something uh, that God has deposited in me to give to you today. Jesus, right now, we yield ourselves to you, and we're so thankful that we get to be a branch and that we get to be reminded that you're the vine. So God, I pray that our spirits would be at attention Lord, though we are not with one another physically, let us be reminded right now that you are in our midst, right now in our bedrooms, in our living rooms, as we're traveling, looking at our phones, wherever we are right now, we're reminded that the presence of the Lord abides in us, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is active inside of us right now. I pray that we would be attuned to what it is that you want to do in our lives as we receive your word in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. So in our lives, friendships and relationships, they morph and they develop over time. The good ones, the ones that last a very long time, they morph and they develop even through difficulty. We find that there's a richness to these relationships that we have over a long period of time. And some of the best relationships, some of the best friendships that we know Truly, we experience a curiosity between us. It's when you first meet someone. Again, this could be someone in a dating relationship or it could be someone that just becomes a great friend. When you meet them, immediately you sense that there is something about them that you're drawn to. At times, it could be something on the exterior. It could be the way that their hair is done. It could be that you're in a restaurant that you both like. It could be that you're listening to similar music. It could be that you read similar books. It could be that you like the same sports team, whatever it might be. But from time to time, we meet someone and there's something about that someone that draws us to them. And usually it's a curiosity based on an interest or something that we have in common together. And it's from that curiosity that we begin to learn facts and unique things about that individual. So we go from the the mysterious. We go from the interesting, and it reminds me of when, when I first met my wife, when I met Tanya. We were in just 10th or 11th grade. We've known each other a very, very long time. We actually went on a drive on Christmas Day, which might, <laughs> might sound kind of funny that on Christmas Day, we left, <laughs> we left our kids at, at home, and we got on our vehicle, got on our vehicle to go for a drive, but we kind of needed to. Because this past week, we went skiing for the first time. My eight-year-old broke her leg. Merry Christmas. You know, this life happens. These things happen. And it was Christmas Day. We opened up all the gifts, and it just kind of felt like a big, long exhale. And Tanya and I said, we just got to get in the car. So we got in my vehicle. We just started driving while all the kids were playing with our toys. Don't worry. My oldest is almost old enough to be home with the kids alone, so they were okay. 
It's one of those moments now where you just kind of scream as you leave the house. Don't use the stove. All right. So we got in the vehicle. We're driving. And as we're about, we drove for probably about a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. And as we're pulling back into the driveway, we realized, I don't say we realized, but it hit us in a new way, uh, just how much life we've experienced together. And over the course of those years, going all the way back to the deep-rooted insecurity of essentially being kids who got married, what we know about each other's souls and what we value about each other. And it was almost like a highlight reel that was playing through our mind of all the very, very deep lows that we did not anticipate and then some of the highs that we never saw coming. What a blessing that has been. But the curiosity of when I first met Tanya, when let's say we're in 10th or 11th grade of just being drawn to who she was as a woman, as a person, the curiosity eventually would become these facts about one another's life. And, and some of those facts are a real big deal. They're about our upbringing, and they're about strengths and weaknesses. They're about the really significant things. And then some of those facts, which I think actually is kind of what life is built on, they're the small nuances. They're the things that you really can't get to know about somebody until you're around them a very long time. And I remember when I, um, when I first started dating Tanya, I was able to drive, I would drive to her home, and uh, when, I, when I was growing up, you know, my family had a very consistent uh, dinner, I don't know what you call it, pattern, where, you know, I realize now as a parent how valuable that was, that, you know, we really had dinner at almost the same time every night. It was like clockwork. It was very predictable. It was within a 30-minute window. You could almost bank on We'd be sitting Mom was to my left, Julie was to my right, and Dad was right in front of me. A lot of times we would discuss the same questions, but it wasn't boring because we were with each other. We loved each other. You know, there wasn't a gigantic variety of food. My mom can cook, but, you know, my sister and I often joke it was kind of like the same four to six meals that just rotated. You know, they were, they were just always there. And uh, we would we'd eat those meals and we'd talk about similar things, but there was a pace to it. And there was an expectation of posture, but it wasn't overbearing. Uh, but I grew up in this environment, and I realize now, as an adult, how valuable that was. Um, but when I met Tanya, we would, we would go out to eat or we'd go on a date, and I began to notice that she ate at a different pace than I ate. And I learned over time that I think my family eats kind of slow. You know, that we would sit down, and it was, this was a long game. It was like watching the Masters tournament, you know what I mean? This was a commitment. Uh, you sit down and the commercials are long, but kind of part of the whole experience was that it took a long time that you enjoyed being together. And I can remember sitting with my wife, and she's so gorgeous. And I'm like, I started to feel like my blood pressure was increasing because I think I need to learn to eat faster. And, and I can remember going to her house and, you know, the predictability of my dinner table at home, the consistency of it. I mean, literally, it had like a pace to it. It was like, had like a metronome you could put in my house during dinner, and it was so predictable and consistent. I remember walking into Tanya's house, and it kind of felt like Hunger Games. You know, it was like, I don't even know what to do right now. There was chaos, and there was laughter, and it's like something fell over and spilled, and it's, you know, things just kind of keep moving forward, and everybody's sitting down, and it's different seats, and it's somebody just touched my food. I don't even know what to do right now. Do I go home? Do I leave? Do I stay? Do I go get more food? I think they want some of it, and it was... And it took, I mean, I think I'm still working through it. You know, we've been married 20 years. But those are the kinds of things that you just can't know about somebody until you spend a lot of time with them. Those are the valuable things that when you're young and in a relationship, it can seem <laughs> kind of annoying. But the more that you're together, it's actually what makes life rich. It's those little things that are so dynamically different and then you start, <laughs> I'm still laughing just thinking about those dinner moments. Sorry. And, uh, and then it's seeing it in our children, that some of them eat faster than the other and whatever it might be. So it actually becomes beautiful over time. So I just want to encourage all the couples that are dating, if you're working through some of those things and it seems a little awkward, don't worry. 20 years later, you'll laugh about it and it'll be a lot of fun. But again, the objective of what I'm saying is, in relationships and in friendships, it's the time, it's what we invest in one another that makes it so rich, it makes it so bountiful. It's what we learn about one another. And if we want to be honest, 
uh, some friendships, some relationships over time, we learn things about each other and we actually realize that that friendship or that relationship was in our life for a season. And some of you, maybe when you came into a relationship with Christ or you recently have come into a relationship with Christ through a friend or through this beautiful church, and you're realizing that some of those relationships or some of those friendships, they might need to adjust. But again, the objective of what I'm saying and sharing this with you is that the people that we walk with, the people that we do life with over time, we learn things about them that are so unique, that are so special, but it only comes with time. And all of that, that entire introduction, was to prepare our minds to process this next question. And this is the question that is the premise of what it is that we're going to talk about today. And the question is this. What have you and what have I learned about God in the year 2020? I want to say it again. Because it's through the interesting times in life that we learn the most about individuals, about people that we are in relationship with. And why would that be any different than our relationship with the God that we love, that we serve, that we wake up every day choosing to be submitted and yielded to, that we make a constant decision, as it says in Galatians, to be crucified with Christ? Why is it that I could live my life and I can learn so much about my wife, Tanya, but why is it that that can happen, but yet I wouldn't stop to pause after a very difficult year and ask the question, what is it that I've learned about the most important relationship in my life? What is it that we have learned about God? Have we been paying attention through the highs? And I know for many of us, not for all of us, but for many of us, the much more consistent lows of 2020. What is it? that we have learned about the God that we love and the God that we serve, the God that committed to be with us through all of the strain. The mornings waking up in 2020 where you couldn't believe that you can't go to that place that you just love to go to. You couldn't believe that you can't have that get-together with those people that you love. The grieving and the loss that we've experienced, the, the questions that we've asked about what will ever be normal, the things that we've seen, the pain that we've experienced through our televisions as we've viewed some horrific things that have happened as a result of racism, the tension that we've seen in our own government. What is it that we have learned about the God that we love through the year 2020? Because we know that in life, just about everything is going to change, but this one relationship is consistent because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What have we learned? What have you learned? What have I learned about God in the year 2020? And what I want to do is share with you a few things that, that I've learned from my own personal relationship with God. And my hope is that in sharing these with you, it's not just for you to hear what I've learned, but I hope that maybe you'd have your phone close by. Maybe you got a fancy new phone for Christmas, or you go grab your notepad if you're kind of that old school cool, you know, you want to feel the paper, you know, whatever. Wherever you are in that arena, I hope that you got something close by where you can maybe write down as I'm speaking. The objective of this is to cause reflection in your own personal relationship with God as I share with you a few things that I've learned about in my relationship with God. And hey, I'll even say that maybe in the chat right now in line or in Zoom that you could even post some of those things or you could write them down or you could declare them for other people to see. Be bold about it. This is a community of faith. This is the body of Christ. One of the first things that I want to share with you that I've learned about God in the year 2020 as I've learned that God is okay with change. I'm going to say it again. This is my personal reflection. I've learned in my life that God is okay with change. And I'm going to read you a set of verses, and then I'm going to read you some things that I've learned about these verses, and then I'm going to explain 
why I feel that these verses apply to the principle that I've learned. This is what I've learned about God in 2020. The first thing is that God is okay with change. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 3 says this, The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Now let me explain to you why I believe that these specific verses tie to my reflection in my life about why I have learned in the year 2020 that God is okay with change. In order to do that, I have to take a few moments and I have to read to you a couple excerpts from some study resources that helped me discover this in my own personal study this past week. So in one commentary it said, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were opposed to each other in principle and in conduct, yet they joined together when it came to being opposed to Christ. But they desired a sign of their own choosing. They despised those signs which were relived in the necessity of the sick and the sorrowful, sorrowful and called for something else which would gratify the curiosity of the proud. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were not satisfied with the signs that had already been given within the text, which I'm going to read to you in a second. There was very specific evidence that had already been provided to them, which they knew because they were such rich, thorough students of the text. They knew this. They had read these things. They had memorized these things. They actually knew the signs that already had happened and that Jesus was the Messiah, but they were looking for something more specific to provide them with a sense of safety and a sense of stability. They wanted the signs to be interpreted their way for their own understanding, for their own advantage. And Jesus is frustrated because of the way that they want a sign to essentially confirm that he is the real Messiah. And there was another commentary that I read, and I want to pause and I want to read this to you. And this one gentleman was saying, Christ could have said this if he wanted to. He could have said, you might observe that the signs of the Messiah are fulfilled in me. I was born of a virgin as prophesied in Isaiah. Isaiah 7, 14, and Bethlehem and Judah as it was prophesied in Micah, Micah 5, 2. Now Jesus could have said this to these individuals because they knew these verses. At a time when the scepter departed from Judah and the lawgiver was given fee and prophesied by Jacob in Genesis 49, 10, that John the Baptist would come and the power of Elijah to prepare my way before me was prophesied by Malachi in Malachi 4, 5. You go on to say that there would be one who would come who would open the eyes of the blind, who would unstop the ears of the deaf, who would make the lame walk, tongues to speak, as prophesied in Isaiah 35, 5, and 6. All of these are signs of the time when the Messiah was to come. But these things that they were students of, they could not discern. And what I wrote down in reflecting on I've learned that God is okay with change. This is one of my reflections from the year 2020. What I wrote down, it's like Jesus is saying to them, you need to stop looking to natural things to try to determine spiritual outcomes. And in our own insecurity and in our own desire for stability or to refine, rediscover a sense of stability in the year 2020, I found myself consistently looking to natural things to try to determine a spiritual outcome or what was going to happen. All of us found ourselves maybe at one time or another obsessed with the news or looking for some kind of sign that would come in a way that I desire, that I want to confirm that everything is going to be okay. And Jesus is looking at these incredibly educated people and he's saying, 
You want a sign to be given in the way that feels comfortable and safe to you so you can interpret it your way according to your pride. And Jesus is saying, what about everything that has already come to pass to get you to this point to confirm to you it's all good? What about everything upwards of almost a thousand years ago? What about everything that has happened to lead to this point? What about everything before 2020 where God showed his faithfulness and there was miracles and your business prospered when you prayed and you fast and you gave and you did the things that you knew you needed to do? It's like Jesus is looking at these individuals who were such powerful people, but they felt as though they had to manipulate it to be their way to be able to talk about it because they couldn't surrender to the fact that they were not the ones in control, that God was not going to do it their way so they could boast about the outcome. He was going to do it his way so that they would be reminded that he is the one who sits in the seat of lordship in their life. And that's why they wanted to kill him because they hated that about him because they wanted the answer. They wanted the solution to fit within uh, their whiteboard brainstorm. They wanted it to fit within their Excel budget. They wanted it to fit within how I can know for sure that 2021 is going to be okay. There is nothing in my life that I can manipulate to know that 2021 is going to be okay. I can work hard, and I can be faithful, but at the end of the day, you see, somebody said it to me this way. There's a difference between foresight and vision. Foresight is something I can predict. It's like going to Doppler radar, and we can look at the weather the next day, and I can have foresight based on statistics, and I can have foresight based on numbers, and I can have foresight based on being a good student and reading the things, which I actually, if you know me, I love to read. I love to, to study those things and to try to figure things out. I enjoy those kinds of things. I enjoy to fill my life with people who enjoy those kinds of things. But that's foresight. That's the stuff that in our own intelligence and in our own intellect, we can try to figure out. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wanted promise of the Messiah through foresight through what they could figure out, through what they could conjure up. But then there's a difference of when we get vision in our life because the Bible says that people perish without vision and there's something about vision that has to be supernaturally deposited in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees, you kind of have the foresight, you kind of know the things, but you lack vision to see that the Messiah is standing in front of you right now. As we look at 2021, as we conclude this year, I'm realizing that God is okay with change. And I'm realizing through that that Jesus is saying to me, I need to stop looking to natural things to, to determine spiritual outcomes. I need to look to the one that has been a whole heck of a lot more faithful than just the carnage that I've known in year 2020. And this is not to neglect the pain of it. This is not to neglect the 300,000 people that have lost their lives in the United States of America. This is not to erase those things and to live in some kind of la-la land. It's not to do any of that. But it's to say that my comfort, that my joy, that my courage that the anointing that God desires to rest on my family to do the good things that he desires to do through my life in 2021 is not going to come because I'm looking to natural things to provide me with a sense of comfort. It's going to come because I choose to lean into the one that was faithful long before year 2020 was ever on the map. The second thing that I've learned about God in the year 2020 is that he cares deeply about the quality of my friendships. 
And uh, Pastor Pierre introduced me <laughs> to a friend this past year, and it's hard to even explain. It's, it's another pastor, and it's led to some of the most rich conversations I've ever had in my life, talking about theological things and, and talking about, and I think 2020 actually has created a stage to just be a little bit more vulnerable about things, and, and this relationship, this friendship has been on this fast track of of dialogue. Sometimes I can't even believe the things I'm saying, but I don't know how else to describe it, but when God has ordained something to happen, it's just the right thing. And one of the conversations I've been having with this individual is about the different layers of friendship that God wants to provide for us. And we've, we've wrestled it. We've talked about the scripture. We've reflected on a lot of our own life and the season that we're in at our particular age and parenting or whatever it might be. I feel like I've been looking at this through every conceivable lens, morning and night. It's been a wrestle for me. But one of the conclusions that I've come to in the year 2020 is I, as I said in the beginning, am learning about God as the God that I walk in relationship with. The second thing that I want to share with you is that God cares deeply about the quality of my friendships. And what I want to do is share with you what we've been discussing as some of these layers of friendships and my hope and that sharing it with you, if you agree with what I'm saying, because you have the right to disagree, but if you agree with what I'm saying, that it would serve as a mirror, it would serve as an assessment to you as you engage thinking about entering this next year. Because we know this next year isn't going to be perfect, right? Sometimes I get a little nervous. People talk about the end of 2020 as though uh, 2021 is just going to begin with this like reboot reset and we're going to wake up January 1st and everything that's difficult is going to go away. I just want to be the bearer of bad news. That's not going to happen. That's as crazy as thinking Y2K was going to happen, right? Some of you might be too young to even understand, but do you realize in our lifetime that people put portable toilets in their house because they thought Y2K was going to shut off their plumbing? Anyways, I'm going to keep going. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up because I know somebody that had a portable toilet because somehow they thought, I don't even want to say it, some faraway country was going to figure out how to turn off their toilet or Satan or somebody was going to turn off their toilet. I don't know what was going to happen, but... Those were our friends. We're going to keep moving. But speaking about friends, so we know when we wake up on January 1st, it's not going to be, oh, whatever's going to change is only going to be a result of the decisions we make between now and January 1st. There's nothing magic about that day. There's nothing magic about it. So one thing that I know going into the new year is that I need to make sure that the relationships and the friendships that I've surrounded me with are the kind of people that are going to carry me into 2021 in a way where I am going to win at what God has given me to do, regardless of how I feel about the way things are going around me. I am not going to depend on, what did I say? I'm not going to depend on natural things to make me feel better. I need to lean into God and into the individuals that he's placed within my life, as Henry Nouwen would say, the spiritual guidepost that he desires to give me to walk the walk that he's laying out in front of me. So as I read to you these different, as I'm going to call them, layers of friendship, my hope is that maybe you'd assess these relationships in your life and maybe make notes if you need to invest more in particular friendships or relationships or maybe even back out of some. But let's look at it this way. Let's think of right now a target with a bullseye in the middle that kind of goes outwards. All right, let's do that. If you want, if you're sitting, you know, we're at our homes. You may even want to draw it if you want to. If you've got a journal notepad or fancy iPad or whatever it is that you're using, you can draw a target. Just kind of build that thing right out. In the center of that is our relationship with God. You saw that coming, right? Right there in the center, we know if that relationship is not alive, if it's not well, if we're not doing our spiritual disciplines, here's a terrible thing that happens. Maybe you've heard this before. If our relationship with God is not right, maybe you've heard this before. Listen to what I'm about to say. If, your, if my relationship with God is not right, we place so much unnecessary pressure on other relationships in our life. I want you to hear what I just said. Some of you, you haven't been praying, you haven't been doing your spiritual disciplines, 
and you're putting all this pressure on your spouse to fill this vacancy in your life in 2020 because we're lazy with our spiritual disciplines. You want them to hug you in a way that only the presence of God can hold you. You want them to make you feel a certain way that they were not born to make you feel. That will only come through you and I ensuring. I can't tell you how many long drives I've been on in 2020. My vehicle already has a lot of miles on it. I don't even know how many miles I put on my vehicle because it's the only way I can get out of my head. And I have a very specific spot that I've sat in a park. People must think I'm doing drugs. I see people walk by me. My vehicle has been, they don't even know. Thank God my windows aren't tinted. I don't even know what they think is happening. I've parked at that spot looking at that pond so many times, listening to so many different recorded spiritual, you know, disciplined things and scriptures and stuff and trying because I know and I'm fighting if that relationship becomes disconnected. I'm going to ask Tanya to do something in my life she was not born to do. She cannot be Jesus to me. So the center of that bullseye, if we let that go, we're unfair to other people in our life. So that's the most important. High five the person next to you on your couch. High five your dog. Give a little pat on his paw, whatever. Your cat. Let's keep going. The next layer of that friendship in the target that we're talking about is our immediate family. Of course, like, you know, we've all had some of those friends where their spouse is lonely and you know hardly ever sees them because they're working so much but but they're out with their friends we can't do that right we need to make sure that our immediate family our spouse our kids that second to that relationship with God that they feel deeply connected to us we're not perfect it might not be exactly up to people's expectations but we got to do our best we need to trust the Lord to be uh, the close friend the spouse the next thing so that's immediate family the next one that we're going to go to and this is the one that I've struggled with the most that God's revealed to me, shown me in year 2020, is our soul friends. Our soul friends. And I wrote down next to soul friends. This is maybe, I'm going to say this is maybe one or two people in our life that we have total openness with. We have no judgment. Honest celebration. This is a person you can call and you can tell them you got a bonus or you got a raise and they don't get all jealous and stupid about it. Seriously, they celebrate with you because they care about your life that much that they don't allow their jealousy to overpower celebration. We got maybe one or two of these, right? This is a soul friend. The time commitment is very high in this kind of relationship. This is somebody they could text you and a Najee or somebody better come and play because I feel like I could go another 20 minutes. A soul friend is somebody where the time commitment is very high. This is an individual, you know if they're a soul friend because you probably connect with them at least once or twice a week. That's a minimum. And uh, if they text you, you text back quick. If they call you, you reply quick. This is somebody that you have chosen to serve their life in a very unique way, but in turn, they've chosen to serve your life. That's a soul friend. You cannot convince me that you have more than one or two, maybe three of these individuals. I'd be very impressed if you say you have three. The next layer of friendships is what we call close friends. We all got a lot of close friends. These are the people we high five, we hug, and they're critical relationships. Please don't say, please don't think that I'm saying that this relationship isn't vital, a close friend. The time commitment is moderate. You know, we see each other from time to time. We text from time to time. We communicate from time to time, whatever that might, might look like. Confession in these kinds of friendships, you know, confessing our sins one to another, that's relatively moderate. And these, you know, close friends are important, but they're not crucial because we'll have a lot of close friends come and go in our life. Most of us have learned that. If you haven't learned, learned that, I'm sorry. It's the truth. And then the last layer is I've learned that God cares about the quality of my friendships is our networks. And I know that sounds like a real businessy term, but there are certain relationships that God provides to us simply because he wants us to advance his kingdom, 
because he wants to bless our businesses, because he wants to expand our influence. It's okay to have relationships in your life that just kind of fall in that network category of people we love to occasionally connect with, but we know that God has actually given them a very strategic purpose in our life. My question for you, how are you and I doing fostering the soul friendships? Because what we're going to need in 2021 is not a lot more close friends. We're going to need those one to two to three people that you can call at any time of the day. And you can say, I need you right now. I need your prayers. I need communion with you. What is God speaking to you about me? I need you. And we could stay on this much longer, but I'm going to leave that challenge with you as I conclude. The last thing, again, as I conclude, that I've learned about God in year 2020 is that God is not okay with me staying down. I want you to hear what I'm saying. And if the Spirit of the Lord would allow it, I hope that this statement would get all up in your space. God is not okay with me staying down. There comes a point where our empathy has to become accountability. Hear what I just said. I want you to give me empathy as a soul friend. But give me more than that. After you have sat with me and you've wept with me and you've loved me, get me off my fill in the blank. You pick whatever word you want depending on your spiritual maturity. I know the word that came in my mind, but that's between me and my soul friends. Love me. Reflect with me. Please don't let me stay in the mindset that I'm in. Please. Please. God is not okay with me staying down. And there's a set of verses that I want to conclude. And even last night, I sat and I wrestled with applying these verses but I just need to share them with you because I'm being vulnerable in telling you that I felt like these were the verses for us to conclude that God's not okay with us staying down. And the verses I'm about to read to you, King David in the Old Testament, he's about to die. And he's having what the Bible records is arguably his final conversation with his son Solomon. Now we know that Solomon would go on to make some decisions later in his life that weren't all that great. But the Bible does record him to be such a wise individual. And right now I don't want us to think about some of the not-so-great decisions that Solomon made down the road. I want us to think about the sacredness of the exchange that's happening between David and one of his final moments with his son. 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4, it says, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. Act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Can you imagine the sacredness of this moment? Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. And the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. I believe what David is doing before I pray is he's saying to his son, Solomon, 
you're with me right now and I'm passing away. David is saying to Solomon, the physical version of me will soon no longer exist. But he's also saying to Solomon as he's emphasizing, be strong, and he's speaking these words. He's saying, Solomon, this moment right now, one of our final moments between you and I, it's not about what's being lost. It's about what's being born. In you, Solomon, this moment is not about your father, who you've known isn't going to be on this earth. I am going the way that everyone goes on the earth. But Solomon, this moment is about what's being born in you. And God is not okay with me staying down. I can look at 2020 and I grieve and I have grieved just like you, more than you know, just like you everything that's been lost. But this moment right now, listen to me. This is the word that I believe that God spoke to me for you. And I had to work through my stuff and my insecurity to even look at this camera and say it to you. And I believe it is God's truth for us. The end of this year is not about what's been lost. Yes, we grieve what's been lost. But it's about what God is birthing in us as a result of what's been lost. So let me take a moment and I want to pray for us. I want to pray for everybody watching. And I want to pray that just like David had this moment with Solomon. Because I, if I were to try to interpret why I believe that I was supposed to share that set of verses with you, even in my own struggle and wrestle to do so. I believe that there was something about that exchange between David and his son. There was a, a strength that was being passed on. And my sense was that God wants to pass on strength to us for us to engage this new year with a mindset that says, I am going to do every conceivable thing that God has called me to do, regardless of how I feel. I'm going to excel in my job. Regardless of how I feel about pain and difficulty, I'm going to move forward with a sense of strength. So let me pray for us. God, I know what I've learned about you in this year. And I know my incredibly dark moments of wrestle and doubt. I know moments where you have challenged me to learn to sit in my weakness because that's where your power is made perfect. And Jesus, I pray for everyone hearing my voice that we would reflect on what it is that we've learned about you. And we would take those principles and we will allow them to build momentum as we head into the new year. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, put it in the chat right here in this room. Thank you, Chris. Such a privilege to know you as one of my friends. And God's given you a unique ability, and it was exemplified today. The, his ability just to uh, use Chris in a way that gets close to our hearts, right? And I want you to... Keep filling the chat with maybe some of the big takeaways that you had, uh, those different friendship groups, the people in your life. What can happen uh, if our relationship with God is not good, the unfair expectations that we put on other relationships, that a good relationship will empathize but not leave us down. Those are some of the things that I wrote down sitting right over there. And incredible message. What a way to close out 2020. And, uh, you know, I can't let this this moment go by without uh, pleading with you to get into community. I know times look a little bit different right now, and often we are limited by a, a screen in front of us that connects us with other people, but there are many small groups that are meeting. Currently, uh, different times, locations on Zoom, FaceTime, some people just go for a walk outside. And uh, if you know that you need those relationships in your life, a great place to start is to be with like-minded people in the family of God, in this church family. 
And uh, you can get that started just by texting the word groups to 313131. That's one word, groups, to 313131. Our host will put it in the chat. And uh, we would love to get you connected with a small group because some of those folks that Chris was talking about um, are waiting in those circles. And you can be a close friend to them, and they can be for you. You know, as we close out 2020, I want to remind you that as a church, we're building a house of faith that's empowering people to live out the mission of Jesus. No matter where they are in their relationship with God, maybe they need a tangible thing like food and clothing, maybe some job training. Uh, Maybe they need to be connected with a social worker to understand uh, where they're at, that as a church that we empathize with people and that, that we give tangible needs and encouragement and hope, uh, but we don't let people stay where they are because God's got a good plan. And that's what these big offerings uh, twice a year, they fund. They fund our Life Center uh, where many of those needs are coming with those tangible things like food and, and all the necessities that are required to keep that running in our city. And in addition with that, uh, this coming Easter, whether we're in campuses together or strictly online, we know that the nation and the world leans in in a different way in the Easter season. And we want to make sure that we're fully funded to reach as many people as possible. So as we close out this year, I want to give you one more opportunity to give towards that Christmas offering all the way till the end of the year. But today it would be incredible if as a church family that we can close that gap, we can reach that goal in 2020 is fully funded in a way that we know that God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine with this church family. So we're going to do another song just to encourage you. It's a great time to give. The hosts are going to put that link in the chat as they do this song. And then I want to invite you to stay tuned for Behind the Message. Josh, Caleb, and myself going to close out 2020 with you. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to do that song. God, thank you that we get to give to you. God, for all those that have previously given to this house, we thank you that we get to build this house in a very tangible way. Those that are about to give maybe feel compelled by this message, by this word, to sow into what, God, they've received from. I thank you, God, that we're going to close that gap as we close out this year. Lord, I thank you that our generosity would be a holy defiance against a culture that is speaking doom and gloom and hopelessness. God, thank you that the gospel of Jesus Christ was for this year and is for next year. In Jesus' name, amen.
Yo. Found Hello. this house. Behind we are here. the message. Yeah, we're back. Luke, welcome. You I know, know. Welcome to the club, man. I have arrived. You've it made it. Great to have you here with us. I'm just getting out some notes here for us. Yeah, we're sounds behind like you really just wanted to s keep singing that song. You were in the same I was tone. In it. Maybe yeah. turn your eyes. Maybe before we get started, you should just give us a little turn your eyes you know before what? the end of the year. 2020 has been enough. I'm not gonna sing for you it's all. It's been enough. Yeah, it's been enough. Josh, so. did you have any TikToks recently? Uh, recently, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple TikToks. Yeah. Pretty oh. famous on TikTok. <laughs> I'm okay. just kidding. I'm not. But TikTok. You looked offended. I'm sorry. I, I don't have it. So it's not that I don't follow you. You should have it. Okay. Yeah, it's great. And it almost got shut down this year. Key I moment did. of 2020. That, is that on your list? It is. TikTok, wow, really? Yeah, TikTok almost got shut um, down. We were talking uh, earlier, not while anyone was talking on stage, of course, but um, is your child on this list or did you not put her on? Didn't finish the list. Oh, didn't finish the didn't list. Didn't finish the list. The, his baby. Yeah, my baby was born in 2020. Jordan. Like yeah. Jordan. That's a yeah. It's the third child. So that tends to happen. Parents, you know no, this I with know your third you child. For a split second, I was like, yeah. Chloe's was not. No, right. see? Exactly. I'm so sorry. Exactly. That no, I apologize I'm not for, offended. Not but Chris did a great job today. So good. Man. Took so many notes. Yeah. Phenomenal job. Yes. Great way to close out 2020. <laughs> yep. What was your favorite part of 2020? Um, uh, come back to me. Okay. Favorite part of 2020, um, not to get all like, uh, whatever. Take us there. But the way that we as a church, we're like, no, we're not just going to sit by and eek by and maintain and try eek. to like. Eek by. Survive. Uh-huh. We're like, no, that's not us. No. Heck no. Right? We hustled. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Caleb, do you think that uh, the studio in the basement truly drove you out of your house? Absolutely. Yeah, so. Getting yeah, an no. apartment has to be a favorite part of 2020. Young man. I forgot that. Oh, I dropped my mic there. I was just so excited. Is that your yeah. favorite part of 2020? Me. Yeah, I forgot. Caleb. Moving out. He's in the third person. Yeah, Very do good. it. I mean, hey, um, legend. do it at this point. Celebrating him. Yeah. <laughs> he moved out and has a lovely apartment and definitely the best part. Basement church for a few months definitely fueled the engine of saving and getting ready for that. Josh loved the basement church. I absolutely, I did. You did. I did. You did. I'm not even going to lie. It was so fun. You oh, were wow. often the first person there. I was always the first one there. First to show up, the last to leave. Oh, uh, what a leader. How, there was something so painful about those 12 steps from normal, like, family dynamics to, like, 12 steps to church dynamics. Service ended, another 12 steps. And somewhere in those 12 steps, you got to switch the one side of your brain off and the other one on, and that was something special. You, you know what? that to your list. Yeah. One of what I've noticed, because we were working remote for a few months, and then we came back to the offices, and then we went back remote, right? Yes. It was like this flip-flop, flip-flop. Very yeah, hard we to just play. did it again last flip, week. Flip-flop, flip. Yeah. And we're going to do it tomorrow. And we're doing flop. it again tomorrow. Yeah. But what's very interesting that I'm experiencing is that from March until I don't remember when we got back to the offices, but I would work June. up in our, I built an office in my, in like our, one of our guest rooms. Can you expand a, on the word built? I put a desk there. Okay. Yeah. And I turned it away <laughs> so that the backdrop was nice for Zoom calls. So that's when I say Great build. I don't build anything. Oh, wow. We, I don't we, build we, a thing. Really, you're moving fast to the story. We got to slow anyway, it down. Yeah. The lighting. The lighting. In round one. Yeah. So listen, Super that harsh. should be on the list. Yeah. Super on the list. My one. lighting for Zoom calls was better than anybody on the planet. I had these blue Not lights. The it felt oh my like terrible. It, like no. it looked like he was like I was in line waiting for like the Little Mermaid roller coaster ride. <laughs> but he was, was under the sea in every Zoom meeting. Yeah. But so, church, I'm addicted to caffeine, okay, first of all. So at around, 11, at, 11, we're at 11.30 a.m., -like I go and I grab some more coffee. This is what I do. I do it when I'm in yep. the office. I do it. And then when I was at home, I'd have my uh, my headphones in. I'd leave my phone at my desk because the headphones were wireless. It was awesome. I could go downstairs and make my coffee. This was just like a routine mm -hmm. that I had. Mm -hmm. And then when we were back, when we came back to the office, I stopped doing that. And then when we locked down again, there was this one moment. It's one of my favorite parts of 2020. I walked out of that room in the middle of the day, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it was like this nostalgic, like, I don't know how to even explain it. It was this feeling like, I can't, I'm back. This is it. Like, I'm back. I'm home. It was the, it's the strangest feeling, and maybe I'm the only one with that, and I'm fine with is that. Is that on your it's list? It's not on my list, but oh. I just, it just, I was talking to Esther about it yesterday. I was like, man, nostalgia is just unbelievable. Speaking of nostalgia, actually, I have nothing to add to that. Just yeah. changing thoughts here. And we've got a few seconds left. You've got to tie a bow 
This is our last weekend of the year. I need, I have no words to tie that bow. Josh, maybe it's singing that will tie the bow. I don't think so, but if you go back to our on-demand stuff on YouTube, oh, uh, you, can look find, at that. you can find the wow. singing, which is actually a, a great way to uh, keep tabs with what we're doing, is subscribing to our YouTube channel, Yeah. which uh, even that phrase has become one of my favorite things in 2020. Subscribe to our YouTube Man, channel. Man, this list just keeps growing. Speaking yeah. of Josh, though, this is a good segue that I'm actually connecting. I thought he's speaking next weekend. I am. Yeah, you are. We're super excited. Yeah, you want to give us a little it. preview? It's the first... It's the first message of 2021. <laughs> yeah, that's not a preview. That is not a preview. That <laughs> is, is just a fact. Is January calendar. 3rd is the first message of 2021. Very good. Uh, Lo- I, no pressure, I'm Josh. pretty excited about it, yeah, to be no honest pressure. with you. Yeah, I'm going to talk about... You want to you want preview? I'm going to yeah. talk about the story. I'll give you the story. Oh, we're the, so ready. The Israelites crossing the Jordan River is actually a fascinating story if Great you read story. about it. Because there's little nuances of that story. Oh, the that you nuances. Just, I love the nuances. The nuances. The nuances. The nuances. You kind of just read past, you don't think about, oh, they walked into a body of water and it stopped flowing and then they got through on dry ground. But if you actually think about the details around what that even took, oh, it's so phenomenal. We're going to get a great. live reenactment? So maybe. Should we get a kiddie pool ready we for should you get next a kiddie weekend? Pool. Yeah. Do you need any props? No Ron, props. Ron's not, a good, not, a good, not a good prop. No prop guy. Let me tell you, though, people watching, using props takes skill. To yes. keep the thought going and to engage with that prop you felt was going to be smart for that message. I mean, Pastor Pierre is legendary for that. Remember legendary. The ladder one, yes. the rope one, and then recently if with the I giant If I climbed up seesaw? on a ladder, I would have to pause, stop talking, and everyone would have to watch me no, climb back down. No, but he actually escalated. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was. You have to process the fear of going up a ladder while talking, <laughs> and that just makes you stop. Check Let me just quick go through YouTube. the 2020 key moments that I have listed. Okay. Because uh, I think it matters. Okay. First thing I wrote down is masks became a fashion statement in 2020. So... That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, or they Start didn't. Talking when, or they didn't. When one of these make me uh, excited. Church closed to people, wow. and we had to church in the basement. That's yep. on the list talked we already about talked that. about, which is awesome. We talked about this at the pre-show, but Walt Poteet, he led some massive view over COVID makeovers. Yeah, like runs operations. Runs like operations at U of R and just building Ooh. these COVID tents that were phenomenally technologically advanced. Yep. And he's a hero. Uh, Mary Houck was pregnant. And had to live in the hospital for weeks during COVID. And she actually gave a lot of us courage because she was able to keep a really optimistic attitude while being isolated, right. yep. uh, which we was really you, awesome to be to a, a witness. Uh, Zoom became a household name. Everybody was Zooming. In fact, probably a month before COVID hit, I made fun of my dad for still Zooming. And now here I do it. Are. So here you go. Foot in mouth. Uh, this is kind of forgotten, but Kobe Bryant died in 2020. Josh, you've just made the saddest list of 2020. Sorry. I, well, listen, it happened. You didn't even change We literally your tone. just talked about how we've grieved and it's time to, like, kind of process a little bit yeah. more, and you're just perpetuating yeah. he, the grief. But he, it thing. happened. It happened. It was sad. Brought the country together. It's still sad. Can you, and can you get us just one up? Yeah. Uh, one the, upper? Well, the Camillaries wrote a book. I talked yeah, about that. That's an upper. Which is phenomenal. Yep. And the last thing I wrote down is that we have a ton of nurses and doctors that attend the father's house and you guys rightfully became and are heroes in 2020 some of the best most emotional videos you can watch are the claps this was such a good good. last one yeah it's It's phenomenal so thank you if you are a nurse a medical professional a social worker uh we are so grateful for you especially this year uh i think we take for granted the amount of yeses that you have to say each and every day and 2020 has showed us that you guys say yes no matter what. And we honor that. We are so grateful for you and your yeses. Yeah. So grateful. Throwing it over to Luke. I'm going to throw it, catch it, close us out. Yeah. Give us something good. Um, Josh's list got us there right at the end. A little rusty with the behind the message, but no, know, it's okay. excited. Well, I fine. hope you guys invite me it's back exciting. in 2021. Josh, are uh, you planning on pre-show message and behind the message? 100%. Or? I will never say no to pre-show and behind the message. So, yes. Right. So well, well, the things that don't make Josh. the cut in your message or you felt like we're like a little too funny, yeah. Yeah. you can reserve for I love it. For to make us do it funny. After. Let's do it. Yeah, We cool. love you, church. We love you, church. Happy New Year. Let's get there. See you next Sunday.